welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. My name is George Yui, and this podcast is dedicated to those who are passionate about their personal development and are looking to create lives of passion, purpose, and peace. This podcast is called Think Out Loud because I've learned as a coach that when we think out loud, that is where insight is born. We see things more clearly, we feel things more deeply, and we move forward in life from our most authentic self. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Think Out Loud podcast. This is George Yui again here as your host for today's episode. And I'm really excited about what I have to share with all of you today because it's a tool that's had a profound impact on my life. It's had a profound impact when I've been going through healing, through depression, through heartbreak, through professional loss, through repairing old wounds from childhood wounding from parenting, wounding, all kinds of different things that we go through in life. And the truth is, pain is an inevitable part of life. And how we show up and respond to that pain can make a tremendous difference in not just how we show up in our relationships and at work, but really who we become as a person in our character. And I'm just really excited about this episode because I personally am on the other side of my third round of depression. Last November was a challenging time for me where I went through professional breakup, I went through romantic separation, and it spiraled me into disconnection with myself, questioning who I was. And I've lived enough life where pain is not foreign to me. It's become, if anything, pain has been become my playground. And it brought this tool up that I've used on myself and as well as that I've used to help support the clients that I work with to navigate these, these very difficult times. And last fall, it just seemed like there was so many people going through breakups and loss and grief and hardship and alchemy and transformation and all these things kind of welling up to the surface that I, I just excited to bring this because I think it has a tremendous amount of value. And I really want to offer my audience and my listeners an opportunity of empowerment to become their own healers. Not everybody has access to therapy and not access to coaching. And part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is I wanted to be able to project my message and my offering and my support out into the world. And so I'm here to do that today. Today's episode is called The Healing Cup. It's a six-step process and a tool that you all can do in the, from the comfort of your home and help you navigate, address, and process, resolve, and integrate through whatever challenge you're going through. Again, in my, in my life, I've used this healing for relationship and heartbreak. I've used it for professional breakup. I've used it for disappointing events that happened in life. Used it for grief. You can use it for parent wounds. I've even used it for healing my sexual trauma when I was 11 years old. I've used it when I, my best friend died of a drug overdose when I was 21 years old, just graduated from college. And so this is a process of releasing, of letting go of which no longer serves us. Because these events, while they happen to us in the past, they often have rollover impacts in our life. Uh, and I want to start with a quote. Uh, it's a quote by a Hungarian physicist and psychologist named Gabor Mate, and he's a specialist in trauma. And Gabor says that trauma is not what happened to you. It's what happened inside of you as a result of what happened to you. That is good news. If trauma is what happened to you, there is nothing that you can do to change that. But 
If the trauma is the wound that occurred inwardly, you can heal that wound at any time. Trauma is the psychological wound in the mind and physical manifestations in the body and can be healed at any time. And I just, I love that quote so much because in our personal development journey, when we can free ourselves from this belief that we were a victim, a victim to circumstance, a victim to another person, but we can let go of the things that we cannot control, like what happened to us, but we can, we can take control of our internal thinking, our internal emotions, our internal decisions that we make. And we can become aware of some of these unhealthy patterns that were installed during these painful processes as winning strategies to meet our needs. This is something that I love the concept so much because it enables us to bring the power back into ourselves, to feel connected again with who we are. And as we navigate this episode, I want to disclose that I'm not a trauma specialist and I don't claim to know everything there is to know about this particular space. I'm speaking and bringing this tool from personal firsthand experience of navigating through my own trauma and my own hardship. And I do believe that there's going to be some value here for all of you, but I don't want to put this out as a replacement to specialized therapy. Or if you're someone who has experienced extreme trauma or duress or grief, that seeking counsel and seeking support from a therapist, from a coach is always beneficial and that this tool can supplement and augment the work that you're already doing within yourself. So again, the healing cup is a six-step process to, to healing wounds that cause pain and suffering. It's a tool that you're going to be able to use to empower yourself to become your own healer and overcome some of these painful emotions and life events that have taken place in your life. It's a tool that you can create new empowering direction and ultimately create shifts, lasting change mentally, emotionally, maybe physically and spiritually. And that internal shift can start to create external changes in your life. Again, whether in your relationships, whether it's around money mindset, whether it's around your relationship with your family, your romantic partner, your friends, your professional relationships. And it's not just relationships as well, too. It's, it's, it, this is a holistic tool that can be used in a multitude of different scenarios. And hopefully as I unpack some of these, these steps, you'll find some clarity as to how they may apply for you. And I want you to know that the thing that I'm going to anchor to to provide context and a way to relate the material is through my own journey in the recent hardships that I've been through in a co-founder breakup, in romantic separation. And so I'll use that as a way so you can create a visual of how each step kind of unfolds, if that makes sense. And I want to share the reason why I created this was that when I was in depression, not just recently, but the first and second round as a result of heartbreak, as a result of an identity crisis, as a result of finding success in life, but lacking fulfillment. When I was in depression, I found myself recycling through the same thinking, the same thoughts without any forward progress. And I even found myself going to some therapist with feeling like I was stagnant and not making improvements, not actually feeling better, but feeling worse. And I wanted to combine the components though of therapy, which to me is about the process of bringing awareness, what's happening in our internal world, making that from unconscious to conscious, and then integrating coaching, which to me is about the way forward. It's about getting really clear on your goals and your aspirations. In other words, what you want and realizing where you are today and what you want 
there's a gap there and closing that gap. And I believe that this tool and healing in general is the first step in making and finding empowering and innovative new direction in our life. And so that's why that's why the impetus that was the impetus of this of this very powerful tool. And the truth is grief, loss, hardship, suffering, trauma, they they take time to overcome and and also I want to point out that you know there's this beautiful quote by Raman Sharma and he says that pain, suffering, loss, heartache, hardship, it's all a purification and preparation process for personal heroism. In other words, that even in our darkest days and even in our hardest traumas, there is a pathway to turning that trauma into treasure. It's what's inspired me to become a transformational life coach is because I've been through some things that have really challenged me that I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get through. And it fulfills me and excites me and inspires me and moves me to, to watch and support others as they go through that journey. And my, my own journey has enabled me to have a sense of compassion and have a sense of relatability. And, and I haven't experienced everything that my clients have experienced, but I've experienced the emotions in my own story. And if I, I, the part of taking our pain and turning it into purpose is also the reason why I started this podcast. I wouldn't have started this podcast without going through those two very hard things recently in my life. But I found a way to transmute that. And my hope is that after this exercise, you'll find some of that as well too. Okay, so enough context. Let me give you step number one. Now again, this tool is called the healing cup. So I'm going to be anchoring back to that visual through this. Now, step one is what I call feel the feels. And I want to just back up for a second here because there's really two ways that you can listen to this section of the podcast. Number one, you can listen to it as you normally do. You can you can listen, get insights, and that would be just perfect. Or you can also take the student approach, which is you can situate yourself where you can take some notes, perhaps on a laptop or a journal, and you can write down some of the key steps that I outlined here for you. But what I want you to know is that either way, I'm going to offer this tool on my social media. It's going to be posted most likely on my Instagram through a Linktree link, something to that effect. So you'll be able to come back to the steps that I outlined for you. But I always find that when you're learn, when I'm learning something, writing down notes and also writing down insights that that are coming up for me, meaning stuff that's not being said, but stuff that I'm hearing in my own world and hearing what, how this applies to me, those would be the really powerful things to document via notes. So whatever way works for you. Now, again, step number one is feel the feels. Now, the significance of feeling our emotions is that we oftentimes, you know, in the personal development world, there's this term of spiritual bypassing, which means we bypass the emotions we experience as human beings because we want to just layer in a level of positivity or optimism or a gratitude, which are all very key and important steps in the healing journey. But oftentimes we try to do that step too soon. And the detriment to that is that our mind and our body when it stores and harbors these old emotions simply because we haven't fully addressed them and felt them, they stay stuck inside of us. They stay stuck inside of us psychologically, which affects our thinking. They stay inside of our body, which affects us physically because there's harbored physical tension and stress that our body's carrying. And when we carry that through our day, we're not thinking as clear. We tend to project that and we're more subject to being sensitive to triggering moments that were similar to what we experienced in the past. There is a time where you can experience the thing that you've experienced before and be less triggered or maybe not even triggered at all. But the, but the process starts with feeling the feelings. And this can be very challenging because 
It hurts. It's painful. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. And our brain doesn't like that and wants to distract ourselves. Yes, there's a time for distraction and healthy distraction. But the first step is accepting the fact that you are in a place of challenge right now. And to just give yourself the compassion to be with yourself. Give yourself the opportunity to create space and check in with your emotional state and even ask emotion, your emotional body, what are you feeling right now? Pain, loss, heartbreak, sadness, anguish, frustration, rage, anger, apathy, guilt, shame, being able to just be with the emotions. You don't even have to articulate them at this step. You may not even know what you're feeling, but you are feeling something and just being with the feeling and the texture of that. There'll be a time to understand what that is later, but my friends, when you're trying to understand something, you're failing to experience it. The first step is just experiencing your emotions. And so when you're going through this, self-care is a major priority. Chances are, if you're going through a really hard time, if you're going through something even like depression, your energy is going to be lower. Your focus is going to be off. It's going to be difficult to concentrate. It's going to be diff- difficult to be motivated. And so calibrating your expectations around productivity is really a key component of this first step. The truth is, when our energy is lower, it's like there's less gasoline in the tank. We can guilt ourselves all we want. We can have the desire all we want to be productive, to take action. But the metaphor I give is like it's a, there's a car. The car may have, you may have the best car in the lot. You may have the Ferrari, but if there's no gasoline in the tank, that Ferrari is not going anywhere. If anything, you're going to have to push it and that becomes a lot harder, right? We don't want to do that. So the point is that we have to refill our energy tank up first. And the step of feeling the emotions is going to get through that period. And so the way that I recommend calibrating your expectations around productivity is being able to prioritize your self-care and label self-care as work. Label the simple things that can be really challenging when you're emotional, like drinking water, eating healthy, exercising, getting out into nature. Labeling those things as if those are completed today, that's a win. When I was in depression, sometimes just getting out of bed is impossible. So being like, if I get out of bed today, and I did nothing else, that's a win. It takes, I know it's not something that you're used to and it's very uncomfortable, but this is the place where we have to be compassionate. And one way to find that within ourselves is to ask ourselves, hey, if I was trying to recommend for a friend what to do, or even my, my son or my daughter, what would I be saying to them to give them permission to take space, to slow down and just embrace what's coming up? Because as we start to feel these emotions, we can start to address them. So saying the statement to yourself, it's okay to feel this right now. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to pause. And it's okay to take care of yourself right now. This may be a step that you feel more comfortable doing alone. This may be a step where it feels really good to be comforted by others. And if you feel like being comforted by others, just let them know that you're going through a thing that you need, a phase where you need to have space held for you. But be sure to communicate. You don't want advice. You don't need fixing. You just need someone to listen to you as you vent and process, okay? So step one, step number one, feel the feels. Now, step number two, this is what I call what's in the cup. 
it's awareness. Now we get to shift into understanding. And I should probably preface as well too that step one may take a couple days and may take a couple weeks. Sometimes it could take a couple months. And this process also isn't linear. So sometimes you'll go back and forth. New feelings will come up and new space will be needed. Checking in with your body and asking your body what it needs based on your energy level is going to be really critical. Now, step number two, in terms of the understanding, there are going to be spaces where you start to get your energy back. This is the place where you can start to now psychologically process what is it that you experienced? What is it that you felt? So this is a place where journaling is going to really come in. This is a journaling step. You're going to want to get a journal and you're going to want to describe what you are experiencing. Now, questions direct our focus. So I'm going to list out some questions that are going to be really supportive for helping you unpack what's happening. Now, the first question is what happened? What did you experience? So what was the moment that caused pain and suffering? What did you experience? Who was there? What did you feel? What happened after that? Tell the story. Just go back into this first step of addressing the story. Describe where in your body you are feeling tension. Describe what else this has been bringing up for you. This is the addressing and the processing stage, okay? Now, it's really key to also process what, are the, what is the quality of your thinking? What are stressful thoughts? What are the fears that are coming up? Write those out with as much specificity as possible. If this is a key step in the understanding stage where support may come in handy from a professional, but you also can find support through reading. If you're navigating through a challenging time in a specific area, or if you're having trouble labeling your emotions, there are books that can support you in your understanding of what is going on in your internal experience. So I would encourage you to seek out whatever that may look like for you and whatever may be in support of helping you find more clarity and more understanding in whatever area that is that you're addressing right now in your life, okay? Now, a way to go even deeper is that there's going to be the first part of this, what's in the cup, where if you visualize the cup, you're, you're looking in at what's going on in my internal world. Your cup is what's in your life, right? It's your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, it's, it's your habits, it's your patterns of behavior, it's what's going on externally in your life, okay? And noticing where there is conflict, this is where we're trying to look at that. Because they say that there's this old saying of a drop of oil in a barrel of water ruins the entire barrel of water. So it's identifying where are the conflict points, where are the trigger points, where is there tension, where are there painful emotions, and addressing and getting clear of all that stuff that's there. And they're interlinked, right? Our experiences are connected to our beliefs that we form about ourselves, our beliefs that we form about other people. Can we trust ourselves? Can we trust other people, for example? They're connected to, our, our beliefs are connected to the choices that we make. What are some choices that you're making in your life right now that may not be supportive in what you want? It may not be healthy. What are choices that are healthy? What are actions that you're taking that ways of showing up that may not be, that may be limiting you versus empowering you? getting really clear and being specific and taking your time with this step. It's not going to necessarily always be a one sit and one and done. It's going to be stuff that reveals over time. Now, the going even deeper, let's say that you're experiencing relationship breakup today and you're going through a very specific scenario. You know, like for me, 
my recent bro breakup brought up the pain of not being chosen. So there's a process in which we call the trace back method, which is we trace back into other periods in our life where we experienced the same feeling. So the way that we can do this is we can address, once we have an awareness of what we're feeling and what we've experienced, we can ask ourselves this very simple question, where else in my life have I, may have I experienced an emotion like this or an experience like this? So when I brought up, when I, when I had these, when I had this feeling of not being chosen and I asked myself that question, where else in my life may I have not felt chosen? And then a memory kicked in, a memory from sixth grade, 11 years old, when a friend of mine, well, I should say a new, per, a new girl walked into the classroom and immediately there was an attraction. I had a, cried my 11-year-old crush on her, but she was always someone who was occupied and in other relationships. And if you've listened to my recent podcast, you know that I recently fell in love with somebody who was in a relationship. And so realizing that even though this person and I were only seeing each other for two months recently, the, the pain was so, so like it went to my bones. And I know that when we experience these painful things, what we're oftentimes also experiencing is the pain from the past that hasn't fully been let go yet or processed yet. And I realized, and I even was, I remember sitting on the floor, collapsing to my knees, crying and sobbing and just wondering like, how is this hurting so bad? This feels almost like a disproportionate response to what's going on. But when I realized that this feeling of not being chosen dates back all the way to when I was 11 years old, over 23 years ago, and through high school that was perpetuated, and, and I realized like, wow, this goes way back. And as I unpacked that, then I asked myself, well, what did I learn about myself? I learned that I wasn't good enough to be chosen. And then what, is, what was happening subconsciously is that I was processing all these, all these theories about who I needed to be in order to be chosen and loved. I needed to be white. I needed to be extroverted, popular, successful, rich, drive a nice car. And later in life, you learn that you can't get enough of what you don't need. That was what caused my depression at 28 years old. But the point is, is that when I'm unpacking the past, and I'm unpacking what I learned about myself. I'm realizing how a lot of these behavior patterns that came from these belief systems weren't serving me anymore. Now, although I've cleared some of that stuff since this recent breakup, there's still this woundology that comes back. And it's just powerful to witness how we can be stacking our emotional experience based on things in the past and what lingering beliefs and patterns may there still be there. So for me, some of the lingering feelings were guilt and were shame. But this is the opportunity to, again, go within your world and address and process and trace back to what are the beliefs, what are the patterns, what's in that cup that may not be serving you anymore. Okay, so after you've done that and you've created a detailed list, and, and some of this list may be more scattered, maybe more a journal style, and that's all perfect. Again, getting support can be very helpful with that. But now, as you, as you finish becoming aware of what's in the cup, you finish the awareness step of step number two, you move on to step number three, and that's the stage, what, we call, what I call empty the cup. This stage is about releasing. It's about letting go of what is no longer serving you. A lot of the stuff that isn't serving us, that's causing us pain and conflict and discord and not the results that we want in our life, are oftentimes happening without us even being aware of them. So the awareness brings that to the surface. Now, once we're aware of it, it becomes easier to release 
because we now know where in our life we're showing up that we don't want to be doing anymore. And when we find the root, that's where we can start to pluck those out. And so in this step of step number three of emptying the cup and releasing what's no longer serving you, what you want to do is get a sheet of paper and get a sheet of paper and draw a really big cup. In fact, let the cup take up the entire page. And inside of the cup, now that you can create a more specific and bullet point list of the limiting beliefs, the limiting patterns, the painful emotions, perhaps it's the person that you need to be letting go of or the project or the business or perhaps it's emotion, resentment for, towards something. Whatever it is that is holding you back from getting what you want, this is the time to write all those lists out, okay? And after you do that, make this a ritual. Light some sage or some compal or palo santo, some incense, because when we light, when we light incense, it brings us into a more present moment with what we're experiencing. And when you do that, you're going to be more energetically present with this experience about what's, what's powerfully about to take place. So when the list feels complete, what you're going to do is you're going to place your hands over the piece of paper, and then you're going to close your eyes and you're going to visualize what is on that paper with as much specificity in your movie screen, in your mind's eye as possible. And as you're seeing each thing in, come up inside of your field of awareness, you're going to say out loud, I release all things that no longer serve me. I release all things that no longer serve me. It's going to feel a little bit awkward, maybe even a little bit weird at first, but you'll catch a rhythm and you'll catch a momentum here. I release all things that no longer serve me. I release all things that no longer serve me. And you'll repeat that. Now, it may be really helpful for you to play some music in the background. There's a really beautiful song actually by Beautiful Chorus that actually repeats the same mantra. It's a song that I've used. And if that feels aligned for you, give that song a try. But something that's going to be moody and meet you at the energetic state that you're in. And it's key that as you're repeating this mantra, visualize each thing that you wrote down and imagine that leaving your mind, leaving your body. And you're going to repeat this as many times as you have items written down on your list or until you intuitively just feel a sense of completion. It's a practice of getting there. If your mind is turned on, you're probably still needing some more, but get into your body as much as you can. Feel this out. You can't do this wrong. And so just already doing this, and even if it feels a little bit awkward, is going to be powerful. Now, the next step to this is that I'll invite you to grab a ceramic pot, or if you have a fire pit at home, that's even more perfect, or a fireplace. But you're going to be setting this up in somewhere that poses no danger to lighting other things on fire. That's a really important step. You know, I've got a patio outside where there's nothing but concrete. There's no wood around. There's no plants around. And so that's where I did this. I did this part of the exercise because what you're going to do is you're going to actually take that sheet of paper, place it in the ceramic plant pot or the fireplace or the fire pit, and you're going to light the piece of paper on fire. And I recommend using like a long stick lighter because the Bic lighter can be a bit fussy. And you're just going to simply watch as the words that you wrote down burn away. It's a very cathartic process to watch fire overcome these limiting beliefs and these limiting patterns. Now, what that exercise does is it creates a psychological release of the things that aren't serving you anymore. But it's really important to do a physical release as well too. So the second part of this step is what I call the shaking exercise. 
So before you do this, you're going to do some light stretching, your neck, your shoulders, your back, and your legs. You're going to shake and tap your body for 10 minutes. You're going to shake aggressively. You're going to shake your body, shake your neck, shake your shoulders, shake your hips, shake your legs, your feet. You're going to move around. It's going to feel funny. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward. Surrender and trust the process. Shake your entire body. And and as you're doing this, See if you can scan your body and where there's tension. Is there tension in your neck? Is there tension in your jaw and your face? And wherever you feel there's extra tension, do some tapping. Take your four fingers and tap the areas on your body where you feel tension. The reason why is that we have all these different energy channels. They call them meridians in acupuncture or, or nadis in yoga. And there are these energy channels that get stuck and blocked energy. And so when we move our body and we shake our body and we tap, and we breathe, we're moving some of that stagnant energy through us so it can be released. Science research has shown that we, our body stores trauma energetically. And so this shaking process cathartically will release from your body. Do this for about 10 or 15 minutes, and it's really key to breathe during this exercise. Make audible sounds as you exhale. Make it loud, make it weird. Breathe in through your nose, breathe aggressively out through your mouth. Stuff that feels very dramatic, stuff that feels weird. The chances are the weirder, if you've never done this before, the weirder it feels, the better you're doing it. So let it be awkward. This is obviously an exercise that you want to do when you have privacy, when there aren't people around so you can feel safe and feel comfortable and not worry about judgment. So that's a really important step to this process as well too. And as you're breathing, Breathe in the awareness of where there's tension in your body. Breathe in awareness of where there's old limiting beliefs, patterns, people, pains, suffering, emotions. Breathe in that. And then as you breathe out, you're imagining that flushing, like a rinsing out your body. Visualize the movement like a circular motion, flushing old toxins, flushing old beliefs, letting go of what isn't serving you anymore. And the breath will guide you through the shaking and through the tapping. And once you complete this for 10, again, for 10 or 15 minutes, you'll be complete in this step. Now, after that, some of you may be thinking, okay, well, now what's next? Well, the next step is what I call clean the cup. Now, you wouldn't drink a cup of coffee and then dump the coffee out and then just pour orange juice straight into it, right? Because there's going to be mixed coffee in the orange juice. You would clean the cup with a sponge or with a bristle brush, whatever that is first, right? This is an important step of cleaning the cup with what I call the sponge of compassion and forgiveness. So my friends, what this step involves is you writing a letter to yourself. Now the the content of this letter is gonna change situation to situation, but the idea here is that you are gonna write a letter ideally to your inner child because the inner child is that archetype, that part of our spirit, that has been wounded, that is afraid, that is trying to meet its unconscious needs, and that frankly is probably a little bit scared. And for me, being in having a history of codependent relationships and, and having a sense of reliance in that relationship, this is an opportunity to reparent myself, to meet my own needs, meet my own needs of connection, my own needs of self-love. And so showing, writing a letter that just simply expresses whatever I need to express, that's the first step of this letter. Whatever needs to be said, whatever needs to be felt, you have a right to feel that, you have a right to experience that, and whatever needs to come out organically, just let that come out. And then you can shift into writing about, writing compassion, statements of compassion to yourself. Writing 
statements of understanding and where it's appropriate, forgiveness. Now, let me explain this forgiveness piece. When we can take responsibility for our own suffering and our own pain as a result of the choices that we are making, whether consciously or unconsciously, we can begin to shift those things. But before we shift them, we have to make sure that we can honor that there has been some responsibility that we've taken. And even though we didn't intend to harm ourselves, we might have. And that's an opportunity for reconciliation, for remorse. And being able to heal ourselves is, is, is challenging, but this is the edge, the edge that is uncomfortable, but it's where the growth is. And if you can lean into finding remorse, reconciliation, and forgiveness for yourself, number one, you're going to experience more self-connection. You're going to experience more self-love. You're going to be able to even turn some of these hardships into areas where you can find even gratitude for them. Because this pain and the suffering is all a process for us to help figure out where there's opportunity for more love to come in, that we can fill our cup up with that. And forgiveness for, for relieves us of any of the guilt. And when we relieve that, we're less likely to do those things again. Because when in this letter, you're also going to make a commitment to yourself about how you're going to start showing up differently, how you're going to start treating yourself, treating others differently. And on the note of forgiveness, what do, ask, me, ask yourself the question, what does your inner child need to hear the most right now? What are words of comfort and care that you can offer to yourself in the same way that you would offer to your son or your daughter or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner or your sister or your brother? What are words of comfort that you can offer to yourself right now? And this step may also involve other people. So you may have to write a couple of different letters. You may have to write a letter to somebody that you've also been involved with. That may be a releasing letter. It may be a forgiveness letter. Chances are you know what it needs to be. The point is, is that this is an area of where we offer kindness, understanding, and compassion. And in the letter toward others, it may involve expressing how you feel. It may involve expressing anger and hurt that you experienced as well too. So it's not just about forgiveness. That's a really key part, especially when there's other people involved. Recently, when I went through co-founder and professional breakup, it came as a shock. It came as a surprise. It came out of nowhere. There was no real feedback conversation. It was really just a sentencing conversation where they decided to separate. And it was hurtful. It was hard to receive. And there was anger and there was resentment that came from that. But me being able to flush that out in this letter and allowed me over time find clarity as to how this actually happened for me and happened to support me in my development and in my growth. And so this letter has oftentimes a lot of mixed things in it, like anger and rage and resentment. And then it also later on has clarity and understanding and perspective and gratitude. And so it's important to know that you do not have to share this letter. You can keep it for yourself. If you want to share it, you can share it. I didn't uh, because I've learned that there are situations in life where we don't actually need to engage with another person in order to find closure. And I think that's something that we oftentimes think we have to have. I know that I thought I had to have that in romantic relationship, but several breakup, breakups ago when I felt abandoned and there wasn't interest or an opportunity for us to connect and grieve together. I had to find a pathway to find closure with myself. And this, this type of letter helped me accomplish that. And so as you're writing this letter, there's a mantra from a Hawaiian 
healing method and it's called Hopa Opa Ono. You can Google that to learn more about it. But it's a mantra that's very, very helpful and supportive in my life and in my clients' lives. And it's quite simple. The mantra states, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. And this is something that you can write over and over and over and over again. It's a mantra that you can use in a meditation. And it's also something that if you're struggling finding words, just repeat writing this out and write it out until you feel complete and see what shifts and see what comes up. And if stuff comes up, write that. And if nothing does, leave it at that. But it's very powerful. And, and again, once you feel complete, do what you want with the letters. It's up to you. Now, after we've cleaned the cup, now this is where the coaching comes in. This is where step number five is what I call refill the cup. This is moving forward. This step is about getting really clear on what you want in your life. Here are questions that can support you in identifying what those are. What do I want? How are these negative emotions a mask for my own desire? What is not happening that I want to be happening in my life? What do you want to be feeling that you're not? What is going to help you feel that way? Powerful stuff, powerful questions flushed out where there's desire, an unmet desire in your life. Now, the next thing that you're going to do is what I call pattern and belief system rewiring, reframing, if you will. Now, the key here is now that you've had an understanding about what's happened, what beliefs, what patterns have been coming up for you as a result of what happened, what happens in our nervous system, our automatic nervous system, is that we experience an external stimulus and then we have a conditioned response. So for example, if I'm experiencing heartbreak, right? I have a conditioned patterned response to think that I'm not good enough or that I'm not being chosen, okay? So it's in these situations that trigger that type of thinking and that type of belief system. We all have it and we have it in all different areas of life, at work, at home, in relationships, with money, external stimulus, conditioned response. So when you can identify what the external stimulus is. Another simple way of saying this is when you can identify the moments that trigger your old patterns and become aware of what those moments are, you can then find the new inflection point of where you're going to change your response. What you're doing is creating a front-loaded system of new behavior patterns before that trigger moment happens. So when it happens, you've already thought about it because the brain just wants to go back to doing what it's always been doing. It wants to do what it knows and what's comfortable. And if there isn't a clear step to take, if you have to think about it in the moment when you're triggered, guess what's going to happen? You're 10 times more likely to revert back to what you know. So this proactive step of identifying what the moments are that you've been triggered and what is the new empowering response? What is the new empowering belief, action that you're going to take? when you are in a moment of trigger. That response may just be, I'm not going to respond. I'm going to pause. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to collect my thoughts. That in of itself will help you find a lot more clarity just in that. But again, this is going to be very circumstantial and very different depending on situations. But you'll have to rewire the new belief and the new pattern. So for example, if, if trust if you've been over if you've been going through heartbreak and and you're finding yourself wanting to close off that's there to keep you safe that is a winning strategy to make sure that you don't feel disappointment and the thing with hyperindependence is that it works the challenge is, is that while we meet our need for safety and security we lack our our soul's desire for love for connection for partnership for togetherness most oftentimes 
that is what most of us are looking for. So when we go through breakup, the patterned response may be to close off, to armor up. And, and the fear is that we can't trust other people. The new belief may be that one, there's an understanding that we get hurt, that pain is inevitable, and that I trust myself to take care of myself if I'm in a situation that is causing me harm, whether it be physical harm, mental harm, emotional harm in future relationship, but that I choose to remain open. I choose to remain open. And what that looks like is being curious about other people, labeling myself as available. And I know that these sound very simple, but energetically, the words that we use become our reality. And in the past, in relationship breakup, I've done this. I've had a hyper-independent trauma response where I was like, I'm so afraid of disappointment. I'm so afraid of being heartbroken again that I'm just going to ask this one question to myself. How can I create a life of passion, love, fulfillment, purpose, and peace without a partner? And I spent four years alone doing that, and it worked. I did that. I created that. But I noticed that, wow, 34 years old, and I, while I'm still very young, in these moments where I was experiencing a lot of fulfillment, a lot of joy from, from being on this mission to help inspire others and, and coach and speak and, and, and support others, there were these moments at home where I was still alone. And I was processing it with my coach. And we realized that that hyper-independent response was a trauma response. And now it's about repairing trust within myself, trust in others. And it's risky. It's scary as hell. But it's the risky and necessary step that we all have to take if we want to experience this kind of love. And it's being willing to just say, you know what? If I get up, if I pick myself up, and go a little bit further, I believe and trust in the world and in the universe and in myself that love's waiting for me. And that's the belief that I have to have, that I want to choose to believe in. Even if I don't always, I'm not perfect, I'm human, I go into moments of fear, but this is the practice, this is the intention, and this is where changed behavior comes from, and this is where we begin to manifest and magnify the things that we start wanting in our life. But it's so important at this step of moving forward to get really clear on what's the new belief that's going to empower me. What's the belief of faith that I need to have? What's the action that I'm going to take that's aligned with that new belief system? This is going to be hugely impactful, hugely supportive for you in overcoming feeling stuck, overcoming feeling stagnant. This is the way forward. And Albert Einstein said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. You don't have to do 10 different things. You just have to start doing one. And this is the point. This is the step where you get to decide what that next step is. And again, if you're having trouble, that's where support can come in. Now, the last step, step number six, this is step called leverage. What do I mean by leverage? The way that our brain is wired is that it is wired. Number one, for survival, not happiness. And it's wired to seek out pleasure and run from pain. And whatever it perceives to be pleasure, it's going to go after. And whatever it perceives to be pain, it's going to run away from. And there's a model, an invisible model of your world subconsciously that is driving your decisions and your actions based on what it thinks it's going to do to meet its needs for pleasure and meet its desire for safety. So... The way that we create change when we're doing new things, which the brain doesn't like because new equals pain and pain equals discomfort, 
And so we revert back to our old patterns. The way that we break that is not through willpower, my friends. Most people tell me, I have clients that say, I just, George, I lack the willpower to get up in the morning. I lack the willpower to do this. If you try to use willpower and use that kind of push motivation, you're going to burn yourself out and you'll fall back into old patterns. What you need is a compelling reason to change. In other words, why is it important to follow through with these new beliefs, these new actions, and these new habits? In other words, list the reasons why this new behavior is going to bring benefit into your life. How will these changes bring you closer to your goals? What is going to happen positively in your life as a result of that? How will you feel emotionally if you are experiencing these, these things in your life? List out all the pleasure, all the potential pleasure that you can. And as you start creating that list, and by the way, the longer this list is and the more specific it is, the better it's going to help you find leverage over yourself when it feels uncomfortable to change. The last, the second part of this, and this is even more important, is you need to list out all the consequences that you will experience in your life if you continue to hold on to these old patterns, these old belief systems. Where is there going to be consequence? Pain, suffering. So, for example, in relationship breakup, if I hold on to the belief that I'm not good enough and I choose to focus on the reasons why I'm not good enough versus the reason why I am, I'll be alone. And I don't want to be alone in my life. I want partnership. I want to be together. I want to create union. I want to create, I want to build together with someone. And it's a very simple example, but the point is, is that when you can find all the reasons why to do something and all the reasons why you're trying to avoid experiencing the same thing again, it's going to create leverage that's anchored into that new belief, that new action that you're going to take. And when you can do that, you can start to create incremental baby step shifts, not massive shifts, but incremental shifts, baby steps forward. And it's uncomfortable. But when you have that compelling reason, you have leverage over yourself to do things that are hard. You, you can also start to map out how other people that you care about will benefit in your life if you invoke these changes as well too. And that's important because we're 10 times more likely to do for others than we are ourselves. So when you, have, when you can anchor that, the, the positive shifts that happen in your life and see how those positive shifts help other people, you'll begin to start shifting naturally because that's the way the brain is wired so these are the six steps this is the healing cup my friends it's a powerful process it's a process that has helped me overcome a tremendous amount of hardship in my life and it's ultimately helped me find peace and i think that's secretly all what we're looking for isn't it to be happy to be fulfilled but ultimately to be ridden from the stress the anxiety the overwhelm, the anxiousness that we oftentimes hold on to because of fear. And when we can find ways to let go of our fear and we can find ways to transmute that fear into inspiration and into desire, we can start to build a healthy pathway. It starts with cleaning our cup. It starts with becoming aware of it. It starts with releasing things, letting things go. And by the way, this is an exercise that I've had to do time and time again. And the deeper the wound is, the more times you're going to have to let it go. I've had to process my sexual trauma at 11 years old multiple times. I've had to process the, the death of my best friend multiple times. I don't think grief is ever something, by the way, that we ever fully get over. It was just we learn how to live with it, with compassion, with understanding, and with 
a sense of acceptance. Heartbreak is still the scariest thing for me in my life. Um, it, it's caused the most pain, but it's also catalyzed the most growth. And I hope that you found this tool helpful for you all today. I hope that you're able to find clarity and healing and an innovative and empowering new way forward. I hope that you're able to feel things that you haven't ever felt before. And I hope that this healing process leads to an evolution and a transformation in your life that gives you hope because what you want is on the other side of the thing that you're afraid of. And the universe doesn't always give you what you want, but it will always give you who you are. It's a quote by Reverend Michael Beckwith. And I love that so much. There is a layer of surrender to this experience that we have to go through. And when we choose to finally let go of the things that aren't serving us, to surrender to life and how life unfolds for us, believing and trusting that life is always happening for us, not to us, meaning even the most hard and painful things are there to teach us lessons, to help us excavate places within our heart where love has not found yet, so we can fill that cup up ourselves. And so we can take that cup, and as we fill that cup and fill that cup, we then overflow it into the world and give back. We give back unconditionally because our needs and our desires have been met from our own agency, our own choices. And I think that's what creates beautiful, amazing relationships is when we enter them, not from a place of what am I getting, but what do I have to offer? What do I have to give? And this is the path that I'm on. I don't have all the answers and I'm still learning. And I look forward to continue learning and sharing what I learn here with you all. I'm so grateful that you guys listened to this episode today. And I hope that you can find ways to integrate it. Again, the tool is going to be offered on my Instagram page. So take a look there. And if you found this beneficial, or if you think that this episode can benefit someone else, please feel free to share that with them. And I will see you here next time on the Think Out Loud podcast. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. If you liked it, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it and potentially share it with a friend. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at shapeshift underscore coach, or just search my name. And you can also find me on my website at www.shapeshiftcoach.com. Look forward to seeing you here again soon.